This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Summer Special Series, My Daughter the Professional, The Making Of. The series will run for four episodes and we'll be talking to parents of some Chelsea players about their childhoods, their journey through grassroots football and how they made it to where they are today. Um, I'm joined as ever by my co-host Jane. Jane, how are you doing? Yep, I'm doing good this week. Dean, how are you? Very, very well, thanks. Excited for this new series. Um, why don't yeah, you be excited. Our, why don't you introduce our first guest? So I'm delighted to welcome to the show Lisa England, who is, of course, mother of Chelsea and England striker Bethany England. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah, Lisa, a big thank you for um, for joining us. Um, and to start, I'd like to go sort of right the way back to baby Beth um, and just ask, was she a good baby or was she a bit of a crier? Uh, Beth was a very, very happy baby. Um, she was a twin. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows she's a twin. and. Um, Beth was the one that was always woke up smiling. Um, her sister was a little bit different. Um, but yeah, Beth Beth was a very happy baby, uh, very happy child. Nothing ever got her down. Um, yeah, she was a bit of a breed, really. Oh. Yeah. And when did she first start taking an interest in, into football? Um, well, one of it was my husband's grand, grandma that used to like to look after him. And um, where she lived, her next door neighbour used to look after her. I think he was a great nephew, not a grandson. Uh, and there was a little field nearby and they used to kick about, all three of them, Beth, her sister and this little boy called Josh. Uh, and they did that for quite a while. And then one day Josh said, do you want to come and play in my football team? Uh, and they both asked if they could go and play in Josh's football team. And they went and played for... Gosh, gosh, I should know the, the name of it. But uh, Barnsley Tykes, Junior Tykes. Um, and the very first match they played, Sheffield Wednesday Owls. And it was five or six minutes each way. 
and they lost 27-0. And then they never looked back. They absolutely loved it. And they spent their first season, they lost every single game. Every single game they walked off. Beth, there was Beth, her sister Laura, and then another girl. So there's only three girls in the team. The rest were boys. And um, they just loved it. Their little faces, they, they, were, they were having a great time. And I think it was a, halfway through the second year, they actually won a match. And they couldn't believe it. <laughs> they were a bit like, oh, we can, we can actually win as well. <laughs> so I think she was about maybe nine, ten at that point. Lisa, did you in, did did Beth encounter like any problems being a girl playing with a boys team or stuff like that? Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of Beth's pictures of her childhood, but she looked very much like a boy. So, um, which is one of the things she hates now. But the more arguments that we got into was I was arguing with people about her being a girl because nobody believed that she was a girl. They would, um, so certain people on the sideline would be sort of saying, oh, that's, that number five's really good, isn't it? And I'd be like, oh, that's my daughter. And it's like, no, no, that's not, that's not a girl, that's a boy. And I'm like, that's my daughter. So we didn't encounter any um, problems of girls playing in boys' teams. It was more of people believing that she was actually a girl. Um, but to be fair, because she looked more like a boy, I think the other boys treated her like a boy when they played football. Uh, and they were probably a bit standoffish with the other two girls because they looked like girls. Uh, and I remember one game we were actually winning and at half time, they were only about nine, the other team's manager was screaming at the kids because they were being beaten by a girl. So, yeah. Not, not anything really bad, though. She's never had any... Everybody's always welcomed girls into football where I've been, so... Uh, so as she got older, did she... Oh, do you want to speak, Dean? No, you go, you go, you go. Um, so when she got older, did she move to, like, a girls-only team? Or was it, like, not an option around where you lived? Once she hit 11, she was no longer allowed to play in a boys' team. Um, right. So she joined, um, she'd sort of been scouted a little bit from one of the refs at one of the local matches that she played in the boys team and he had asked her to go and trial at Sheffield United's academy for, girl, for girls. So she went there um, and she, they accepted her straight away and I think within a couple of months Laura joined her and they played Sheffield, Sheffield United Academy girls played which is where Millie was also, she met Millie there, and um, Megan Sargent, who's not sure who she plays for now, but she played for, but she had uh, a yeah, and I, yeah. uh, So they were quite a good side. They, I think they won most of their matches throughout the four years that they were there. Um, and then their Sheffield United's feeding was to Doncaster Bells. So once she hit 16, that was sort of the path they'd sort of sent to go to. Um, what sort of age was it where becoming a professional footballer seemed like a genuine option for her? Was she always very highly rated by uh, Sheffield like United and then Doncaster Bells, or was that a bit later on? Uh, she was very highly rated through the academy, 
um, they had a great deal of respect for her. Um, she did do a couple of England camps, I think, as a younger level, but never sort of broke through that barrier at a young age. Um, and then when she went to Doncaster, then it was a different kettle of fish. She was a very much a, a small girl in a big pond um, where she'd gone from sort of where you felt like the team was built around her at the academy and she was the sort of striker star. And then all of a sudden she was put into this group of well-established sort of senior players. Um, so I think she was a little bit uh, maybe overwhelmed at the start. And um, th at this point, her sister had decided she wasn't going along with football anymore. That was her football done. Um, and I don't know if she ever thought that she would become a professional footballer. She went to college and, and sort of did it along the sidelines. Um, and then Doncaster Bells were starting to, they were starting to invest in that team. And I think that's when she's probably thought there's actually a, a role, a paid role in this sport for me. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out at Doncaster and she got scouted and offered the position at Chelsea and and off she went. Yeah, you mentioned her doing a college course on the side. Was that led sort of by like her parents managing her expectations or was that Beth herself thinking, I don't know if there's going to be a career in this for me, I need to have a, a backup option? I think that was just Beth's, Beth's path. Um, she went to, when she finished her, her GCSE, she went on to, to college and I think she thought, thought that she would then go on to university and I think she thought at that point that probably football was a, a sideline. Um, and so once it became serious, that's when she sort of stopped with her studies and decided, you know, that's, that's when I'm going to start and really go for it. But now she still studies now. So she's still got, a, she's studying for a law degree. So she's, she's still wanting to do, um, to be prepared for after the football. Yeah, I think that's very big in, in the group, isn't it? That a lot of the players are, are learning um, different things outside of the football. I think that's quite a good yeah. environment that they're in. It is, yeah. And it's important for them to know that they've got something. Football's a very short-lived career if if unfortunate events happen. If, if they don't, it can be great. And, I mean, you've seen there's quite a few of them now going into TV and stuff like that. So there's obviously niches for place, for people to go. But I think Beth is very much wanting a career in her own right. Oh, she, she's not too big on following on in football, sort of coaching or managing or things like that. So, yeah. Lisa, a lot of footballers talk about like, the sacrifices they had to make along the way. Did Beth have to make many? And like as a family, did you have to sacrifice certain things to give the, Beth the opportunity to play? Uh, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time. I mean, we didn't just do football. We did, we did football and we did athletics as well. So we spent a lot of time investing in um, football because at grassroots, there's no funding for anything. You have to buy all the kit and everything. So, so it was a lot of funding in that respect and um, taking them, you know, between, I have an older daughter as well. So we were traveling. We spent many times split as a family. So one would go to athletics, one, two would go to football, but they would do athletics through the summer. So Beth was a very, very good um, heptathlete. Um, she was very good at hurdles and triple jump and 
all sorts of things. But I think um, she probably thought that 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 wasn't going to be a paid career as she went down the athletics route. Um, but but she loved it was great for them as much as you sacrifice things. They socialised with most of the country because they knew people from teams or from athletic events that lived all over all over the place. So I think from from a childhood point of view, I think it was quite good for them. Oh. Yeah, sort of. Beffy's a couple of years younger than me. Um, we actually share the same birthday, which I think it's pretty cool mm -hmm. that one of the chess players has my birthday as well. Uh, <laughs> growing up, obviously, <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of growing up, sort of mental health wasn't talked about uh, that I know about as a, as a kid and as a teenager and as a young adult. Um, do you think she would have benefited as a youngster if it, the sort of today's environment, sort of with the pressures of being a female footballer, if it was talked about, would that would have been a benefit to her? You spoke about she had some sort of troubles when she moved to Doncaster Bells. She, she did have some troubles at Doncaster Bells. And I think, um, you know, you try your best as a parent to prepare them for any eventuality in the, in the big wide world because nothing's as smooth as you want it to be for them. Um, and I think she struggled a lot with um, certain... You bring them up with certain values. So um, for me, Beth was always told you earn your place on your team. You don't expect to walk into a team and you work hard and you and some of the feedback was was not always constructive and was not always understood by any of us. So it would knock a confidence down. Um, and at grassroots, there is no support for that when you're, you know, you're trying to learn how to grow up as well as deal with little bit like adult decisions so sort of not getting picked to play and being put on the bench and being told well I could have picked anybody but it just happened to be you it was very difficult for her to to sort of understand if they'd have said well you, you, you given a technical things that she could go away and work on then I think she would have understood it more but yeah it can really not be confidence and it's a really tough world out there and I think luckily she had she had us to pick her up a little bit and she had the athletic side as well. So it wasn't, everything wasn't all eggs in one basket. Um, but it's very difficult as, as children um, with mental health. Um, children can be awful, you know. Uh, I don't know whether they need to bring it in, but she certainly benefited from a lot of... Um, psychological help since she's been at Chelsea and uh, when she was out on loan from Liverpool and stuff like that which has really made her and whether it's because she's more of an adult and it, the mental health work with her can she can see things a bit clearer because she's a bit older and a bit more experienced because I think these experiences are who they make you who you are and as long as you can sort of pick yourself up and learn from them, because she did have a point where she, she didn't want to go to football, she wanted to finish. Um, but she was, you know, she was clever enough to think, no, I'm not going to let these people get me down. I'm going to show, and still is, still is trying to prove that she's good enough to herself and to, you know, to everybody out there. Yeah, I think you can, you can really see that in the way she plays, actually, that, that spirit that she has, it does show through as, as a character without sort of knowing the backstory. You can see that she's she's fought before and she'll fight again. 
And I sort of I played grassroots level nowhere near as high a standard as Beth, but as a goalkeeper, you make a couple of mistakes, and then the next week there's another goalkeeper there. And that nothing's explained like that. He was a player, then there's just another player, another kid playing in goal. And you're then watching your team that you played for. And all of a sudden you're then looking for another team to go and play for because you don't want to watch on the sidelines every week. And definitely, you know, if, if there's money coming into women's sport, then funding that at grassroots would be something beneficial to every child, I think. Um, I think well, though, in, even in boys' football um, from a young age, I know there's a lot of them that will go to sort of big academies and then suddenly they'll get their parents will get a message saying don't bring them again so I think even if the funding's there there desperately needs to be some way of being able to tell children that then they're not quite cutting it without like you said just coming next week and seeing somebody else playing in your position or you know kids need to be talked to and they need to understand I'm not saying every kid's good enough to get there. And I'm not saying Beth was good enough to start every game or anything. But if you know the whys, you can probably understand more and learn from it. It's when you're sort of having to tell your child that you can no longer go to that academy no more, but you don't know why because they've not explained anything to you. I think that's a lack of um, good management, really. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, these are children and... And they grow into adults. And I mean, people can take it exceptionally hard when they get released from these things, you know. Um, when Beth moved to Doncaster Bells, was she scouted or did she have to take part in like trials or anything like that? Uh, she was trialed. She, she went for trials because that, like I said, Sheffield United would feed through to Doncaster Bells. That was the sort of route. So she did do trials there. Um, so I remember her first meeting um, Tori Williams, Victoria Williams. I don't know if you know. I think she plays for she plays for um, I can't remember what the team's called now. I think, I've, I think I've heard of the name. And she plays for with Hope Powell. Yeah, Hope Powell's at Brighton. So, so she was the sort of force to be reckoned with when she was a senior, and I think Beth was a bit like, "Oh my gosh, I'm never going to cut it with ease because they're like." big beastie women type of thing um and i think she was petrified of that that girl when she first went but now they're probably best you know they can talk to each other on and off the pitch comfortably but when you're a youngster at 16 going on to a big women's football club i think it's quite um overwhelming and you sort of just establishing your feet at 16 as well in the real world, aren't you? You're sort of being a little bit more independent and um, trying to fit in and stuff like that. As well as she was, I mean, you know her story, she worked in a chip shop, um, which unusually at that time, the chip shop was a sort of opened at 10 p.m. and stayed open while 5 a.m., um, which, you know, she'd finish at 5 a.m., come home and be ready to go at 9 and play football so so it was quite a challenge for her as well I think juggling everything college work because uh, she wanted a bit of money and you know yeah it must have been like scary signing for like a team like that with players that are a lot like at the time were better and stuff like that when she made her debut in 2011 how did you feel like as a family 
Yeah, I mean, obviously you're very proud of um, your kids going out there and, and proving that they can they can fit into a team. Um, like I said, there were challenges all along the way for her. Um, you know, she would have good games, she would have bad games. You know, we would just be there to pick her up and enjoy the ride sort of thing with her. Um, luckily, her sister's very supportive of her as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean... It just became part of normal life, which it had been from a being sort of nine-year-old. We went to football every weekend and in the summer when there was no football, we went to athletics and and that's just how we... Chidge, JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live, <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. I've heard time at sort of Donny Bell's sort of that revealing too much personal information. So was it a sort of paid contract or was she still having to supplement with the income herself? How was that sort of managed by Beth? Yeah, so she didn't get any money from um from Doncaster Bell. She didn't she didn't get paid for playing at all. Um I think the um who initially was going to put Doncaster Bells back on the map. Um, and he subsidised her to start a law degree at a, a university, um, Cheney University. So she she sort of signed up to do that. So that was sort of 
I would say part payment, but she never got a sort of contract. And I think once the contract started, that was when Chelsea sort of put their interest in. Um, and that's when she just probably decided, you know, if I want to make it in football, I've got to go to a to a, a well-established good team. So, so all her time at Doncaster Bells was funded by us and her and all the car journeys. And I think she got her kit. A kit was provided. But, yeah, she still had to live. Yeah, you mentioned, obviously, Chelsea and declaring their interest. How did that sort of come about? How did the, the move materialise? And was it sort of an easy decision for Beth to make? Obviously, she could have to move away from home uh, and yeah. start a new life for herself. Paul Green, who's the, um, is he the assistant manager? I don't know where he is now, but um, he was assistant at Doncaster Bells when Beth was there. Um, so he'd been, he'd seen Beth for, for a couple, two or three years before he moved to Chelsea. And then um, obviously Millie went to Chelsea. And I remember having a conversation with Paul at um, one of the matches. And he'd, he'd spoke about Beth being tied into Doncaster because of her, this law degree that was being sponsored. And I said, I don't think she's tied in. I think that's just part and parcel. But I think if she's offered something outside, I don't see that she's tied to the club. And I think, I don't know if it were that conversation and then he's looked into it further, but suddenly an agent got in touch with her, which, which this was a new thing to her as well. She'd never had an agent or anything like that. And suddenly an agent's ringing her up, promising her the world. And, you know, Chelsea's interested in you and this is going to be the best thing for you and we'll look after you and all that sort of thing. So, so that's where she decided that, should give it a go and we we were very supportive and said you know if it, if, if it doesn't work you, you know you come home oh but she was adamant she was going to go and give it a good go well, we're glad she did and <laughs> um, when beth recently made her 100th appearance for chelsea she spoke about her journey and battle to get there and specifically mentioned the loan when she went out to liverpool and not knowing if she was good enough for chelsea or if she returned how tough was that moment in her life? That was a real tough time. Um, she phoned me in floods of tears that she was going out on loan. I think she'd been told um, while they were on camp somewhere. I can't remember where they were, but she she just was heartbroken that she wasn't good enough um, and that she was going to Liverpool. And we were like, well, that's closer to home. You know, it's great for us. We can come and watch you more. Um, and we sort of had to pick her up a little bit and um, I think she wanted to once she sort of got over that shock and she went to Liverpool I think she thought she was going to go to Liverpool and suddenly be a superstar and I'm going to be <laughs> and I think it took her a, a few months to settle in before she even started scoring and so she was very um, best, best at football when she's confident and when she's comfortable and I think when she feels the pressure to do something to perform she doesn't seem to do as well. Whereas when she's when she's got the confidence behind her, you know, she can she can do anything she sets her mind to, really. Um, and then I think the, the manager at Liverpool was very good with her uh, and gave her that confidence to be able to 
to do what she wanted to do. And to be fair, by the end of it, she was still convinced she wasn't going back to Chelsea. She was still convinced they didn't want her, but she was happy playing football and she sort of knew that she could still play for a team. If it wasn't going to be Chelsea, then somebody would be interested in her, even if it was staying at Liverpool. So, but I think she needed... I think she needed that year at Liverpool, definitely. Yeah. When Beth returned to Chelsea in the 2018-19 season, she scored 12 goals. And then the following ski season, you've, she scored 14 goals. Do you think maybe Liverpool, going on loan to Liverpool might have given her that little bit of a boost to keep going and not give up? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And she knows she can score. She knows she's capable of doing these things. Um it's just about having the, conf like I said, the confidence to do it and um, understanding what's expected of you. And um, she's very critical of herself, um, always aiming for perfection. And she's got little things that she, little things that the psychologist taught through. So she writes things, I think, on her wrist. So you'll see very often that she scores. She kisses her wrist and then she'll probably wave to me or whatever. You know, she generally puts her hand up in the direction that we're sitting and stuff like that. So she's got certain things that she does to try and keep her head in the right frame of mind. Because she used to be, if she'd make a mistake on the pitch, she'd go down with it instead of, right, you know, I've, I've made an error, let's pick up, move along. It's gone now, you know, so it was... It was very difficult for her to sort of learn at that level to let things go and not to hold on to anything that went wrong. But she's still very self-critical. Yeah, and sometimes that's um, it's a good trait, I think, as well, to, to be critical of yourself and to understand that you need to improve, and she's done that. Um, but having success has come away as well when she's obviously played for England at youth level, but what was it like when she made her full debut for England you know, in August 2019? Oh yeah, amazing, amazing. You know, it's you're really proud of her to, to have got that far and to get that chance and to go out with some of those girls that are established um, talent and and see her just play and not look out of place. And, you know, um, I remember the goal at Middlesbrough where, um, where Steph crossed it across to her and she added it in. And honestly, that's one of, one of the best times of, I've ever watched her and I think the best one was which they played Wales when she was in the youth team uh, and oh, that was just really emotional I think that was a an early start for her um, but always proud of her when she goes out in an England shirt Yeah there's a lot of Chelsea fans that are very unhappy with the England manager at the time for not picking Beth enough they felt that she was probably the best striker in England at the time was that a frustration shared with the family or were they just sort of she pleased that Beth was still involved in the squad, even though she might not have been on the pitch for as long as perhaps many people wanted her to be? I think, again, it's 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 a case of knocking down on that door, isn't it? I mean, she's going up against established players and sometimes established players will always top the start, you know, and it's it's sometimes difficult to break down that barrier and say, you know what, I'm, I'm better than your established person, but they've got the experience and they've got um, a lot of knowledge behind them. And so she's competing against something she can't really do a lot about. All she can do is go 
and do her best and perform at her best and not let the confidence of it um, sort of knock her down. You know, and you're gonna get you're gonna get years like last year she had a phenomenal year, then COVID hit and and then this year's been a, a very different year for her, um, a very different year for all of us. Um, but yeah, she's still battling against she won't she won't back down. She'll still be striving to prove that she can she can cut it as, as good as the people with the experience. I think she thought with the Olympics this year that if she didn't get in, that was it. And like there's people there that in four years are older than you. Uh, they're older than you now. So in four years' time, you'll still be younger than they are and they're going. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's difficult. It's difficult, isn't it? Um, and it's difficult as a parent, you know. It's very rare I can go and enjoy a football match because I'm too busy watching the bench or I'm too busy thinking, have you done this wrong? Have you done that? Wrong? You know, so I'm there with her a lot of the time, feeling the emotion for her. Oh. You feel just as exhausted after the game as she does? Yeah, probably more so because she's, you know, I mean, she's out there running and doing her stuff, but I'm sort of just behind the scenes thinking about all sorts of things, you know, praying that she does well, praying that she, she doesn't hurt herself, praying, <laughs> praying that she's not on the bench all game or anything like that. You want to, you want to see your kids play, don't you? Yeah, especially when you travel four hours to get <laughs> Lisa, you mentioned obviously COVID affected last season. What was it? How did it affect Beth and like the family? Was you able to see each other? Did she come home or was she stuck down here in London? No, she came back from England camp with an Achilles injury. Um, so when lockdown happened, she, that was it. She was on her own for 12, I think it was at least 12 weeks that she, uh, all the other girls had managed to get home to their families, but because she was having treatment, she was in a flat down there on her own. So it was just her and her dog. <laughs> so no, no, we never saw anything. And I work in a hospital laboratory where we were sort of told out with COVID testing and things like that. It was really, really hard for us up here. So yeah, it was a lot of FaceTime and a lot of chatting on online. But I mean, it's only recently, I mean, she's just gone home actually today, but it's only recently in the last six weeks that she's actually been home and we've seen her since the start of lockdown. Uh, we've seen her for the odd day, but she's never really been home for a, a great period of time. I mean, luckily, the injury that she had, it gave her time to heal it properly rather than try and rush anything to get them back on the pitch or anything like that. So uh, from that side of things, I think she did um, She did all right. But yeah, she spent a lot of time on her own. Yeah, it was tough for like everyone, obviously not seeing people's family. And obviously the girls in the Chelsea squad that are, live got family abroad, it's obviously been tough for them as well not to be able to see their families. And um, we do a lot of work with like Chelsea Pride, helping continue the fight of equality amongst everyone. And with Beth being part of the LBGQT plus community, as her being openly gay, has that like got any obstacles in her life that's happened? Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't think she's ever had any um, on on unnecessary comments or you know, she, I don't know Beth's quite an, a likeable character 
Um, and I think that's always carried her through. So she doesn't get a lot of hate on social media or she doesn't get anything really. Um, people just seem to sort of respect her for the person that she is, uh, regardless of whether she's straight or gay really. I think she's just, she's just Beth and that's how it's always been, as long as she's sort of hardworking and polite. And, you know, she always makes time for fans when she goes. I remember going to a, a match at Manchester and I think they'd, they'd lost and they were told to get straight in the dressing room. And she sort of went, no, I'm not going to see fans because they've come all this way to see us and I'm not disrespecting them. So she will always be that type of person. And I think that's what carries her sort of through. Yeah, it's nice because obviously you do see people getting lots of hate for who people want to be so it's nice that people are loving of everyone now yeah 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 definitely and and like I said she's she's just Beth and it's it's all about who you are rather than what your personal choices are behind the scenes isn't it so and she's she's obviously very happy now that I think that shows quite a lot that she's she's quite happy and settled with a partner and a, two dogs <laughs> Yeah, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned obviously last season with COVID being difficult. She also had that um, concussion injury that she missed a few uh, important games with Chelsea. Uh, the season obviously ended with them winning the league, but also losing that Champions League final. Uh, how did that defeat affect Beth at all? To be fair, I think Beth looked on the positive of that because she, she'd got to a Champions League final. Um, and how often is that going to come around? And she got, she was really quite proud of getting the runners-up medal because she'd got to the Champions League final. And I think that was um, that was a biggest thing, really. Is like we've got there now, we've got to get there and win it. Um, I think obviously they would have wanted to win, and she would have liked to have been a bigger part of it. But I think the team had got a lot of momentum while she was out with a concussion. Uh, which was quite quite a bad one. Um, she'd lost her memory for a good 16 hours while she was out in, in uh, Milan. And she, I mean, she rang me and, and she'd got no, no recollection of even getting to Italy or anything. And so even when she's watched the match and seen her play, she's got no recollection of that even now. So that was quite... Um, and I think that was a a little bit of a fault of the ref because you watch the match and she got hit on the head more than once, um, which at which point they should have probably stopped and let her get seen. But, you know, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I think she was quite proud of having a, even a runners-up medal, you know, and achieving the, the final. And one, Lisa, one final question for me. What would you say the highlight of Beth's career is for you? Um, I think getting the PFA Players Player um, and that year, just that whole year of seeing her confidence grow and, you know, some of the goals you see. Um, I mean, oh, the, the biggest highlight is probably the uh, Continental Cup goal at the end. Uh, somebody yeah. put to um, Titanic music on Twitter. And I think I've watched it probably a million times. Every time it, I see it on there, I just keep watching it on repeat. And it's just that- The music that, just goes so well with the goal. It does, yeah. And it, it's just, I remember us being there and my daughter was like, best on the back post, best on the back post. And, and we were like, oh my God. And, and, and we just were like, 
elated because obviously that was something they'd never won before. Um, we knew that that match, if it had gone to extra time, Arsenal would have Arsenal would have taken us because we were literally on our asses and Arsenal were really gunning for it, really gunning for it. So so that was that was a it'll be very difficult to beat that moment. Even every time that plays, I can go back to that moment and still feel like I did then, you know. And I think she felt like she she'd secured that cup for the team. And she's very much a team player, Beth. Um, very much a team player, and I think that's why she likes the squad that she's she's in because they're very very um, team orientated. They're very they're all very good friends, you know. And I think that's important. I think it's showing it with the England squad in the Euros this week. You know, they're very together and working for each other. And I've never seen England score four goals in a game before. So. <laughs> that's a very rare one, that. The men, anyway. <laughs> Is that what it costs? No. Yeah, so sort of just to wrap this, this up, Lisa, if you could sort of... But to sum up what it means to have a, a daughter playing professional football, about her journey getting there, sort of, if you could sum that up for us, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a journey. Um, it's been a nice journey for us uh, with us ups and downs along the way and still still having them. Um, but, you know, you, you sometimes, you go out somewhere and some you can see people going, oh, that's, that's Beth. And, and people come up and ask for a photo and so that's a bit surreal um, very strange um, but yeah I mean just really really proud of her she's doing what she loves to do um, she's doing well for herself she's you know she's she's in a good a good squad and she's you know she's really um, coming on with a, a football and yeah just really really proud of how she's how she handles herself how she goes about it you know, she's already now prepping herself for pre-season and stuff like that. So, you know, that's all you want at the end of the day is your kids to be happy. And, you know, she's definitely, definitely happy where she is. Oh, I know there's a bit of rumours going around that <laughs> she's off somewhere on loan and whatever. But, yeah, she's definitely happy where she is. Oh. Yeah, that's what we'd like to hear. Um, yeah, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us, uh, sort of opening up about your daughter. Uh, we both sort of love Beth as a player. You know, you've seen Chelsea have signed two world players of the years of the last two seasons that both play in a similar position to Beth and she's raised her game. So you see her spirit shining for all the time. So thank you for doing such a great job of raising you know, a wonderful person and an even better footballer. No problem. No problem. I'd like to say she's like a mother, but a mother can't kick a ball for <laughs> Well, maybe that's the one thing she didn't take after you for, which is good for Chelsea and for us. <laughs> yeah, so that's all we've got time for for this episode. We'll be back next time with another interview from another um, Chelsea parent. Um, again, a huge thank you to our patrons for supporting the show. We hope you enjoyed this chat with Lisa England. But until next time, from King Mo to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.